Are they girthy? They're pretty good. Pretty good? Quite, okay. quite good. Awesome. Welcome to episode four of Play With It, where we talk toys, board games, and lots of other things we should have outgrown. Today, we have another special guest, a fan favorite, my friend, Noah. I'm mad, Carl. <laughs> Why are you mad? Because uh, you haven't found any other guests, and I'm tired <laughs> of doing this. Uh, you can always say no. Could I? I don't know. Maybe you don't really have a choice. You're you're gonna be it until I find someone else. Okay. Yeah. As soon as I find someone else, uh, we'll break it up. Well, I'm sure there's tons of people kicking down your door to be on this podcast that hasn't even been released yet. Oh yeah, tons of people, tons of imaginary people. Wow. How you been, Carl? It's been a little while since we've recorded. Yeah. Actually. And you know what? You got a hot mic. Uh, why don't we back you down a little bit? Okay. Yeah, uh, things have been good. I have started a new collection. Uh, I've been doing a pretty good job of not buying Star Wars Black Series figures, and I have finally broken down and decided I'm going to go ahead and start picking up the Bounty Hunters. Oh, I nice. have some strict rules about what I'm going to collect out of them so that I don't end up buying all of them. So uh, I picked up a lot of the Archive series that just was released. So that was Bubba Fett, IG-88, and Bosk, and they are really sweet. And then I went ahead and just recently got Dengar, who they have not done a release for the archive because I think they're still producing yeah. Dengar. He was just released this year. So. Oh, okay, okay. He was up for pre-order for a really long time, so it's it blurs the line as to when things really get released when you see a figure up like a year before it's available. So I picked him up, uh, and he is super cool. He actually is probably my favorite character in all of Star Wars. That is a bold statement. I mean, is it bold? It's based on my opinion. <laughs> like, it's my favorite. Okay. It's an interesting <laughs> opinion. Yeah. Uh, and there's a I'm lot not, of... I'm not saying he's the best. I feel like that would be a bold opinion. But uh, he's, he's, he's my favorite. I, okay, I sure, sure, sure. I, I think it's cool... Because he's pretty obscure compared to a lot of other characters. But as we know, the universe is broad. So I got I got Dengar, and he's super cool. And I took him out of the package. And I he's wearing fucking moccasins. He's wearing moccasins. <laughs> I know. It blew my mind. Like, when he called I, me to tell me They don't show you. <laughs> they don't show you. The packaging because it's got this in front of his feet are the is his name and you know he's a bounty hunter and I took him out of the package and look I I know about him I think he's cool but I didn't know until I bust open that packaging that he's wearing <laughs> yeah when you called me mops. and we were talking about it you were it was awesome you were actually opening him while you were on the phone with me <laughs> and you were like. You're like what the it's fuck? True. He's wearing live vlogging moccasins, <laughs> and like I, I, I mean, clearly he's my favorite Star Wars character. I definitely knew he was wearing battle moccasins the whole time. But to hear you discover that on the phone was like probably one of the best things ever. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is hunting in comfort. Uh, I mean, I just thought they like forgot. To like give him footwear, and so they're like, we gotta have like, we must have something laying around the Chinese factory that we can just slap some, <laughs> some like shoe mold. And they're like, oh, we're all out of boots. I guess we're just gonna have to put on some uh, these really sweet moccasins <laughs> for the 
for for our leisure it, line. Actually, it almost the way they're sewn together, uh, it almost looks like an inside out stocking from Chris, like you'd hang for Christmas, <laughs> like because uh, uh, the little tabs on the inside, like it, it seems almost like they sewed something together and then turned it inside out. It's it's yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was like a not necessarily a mistake, but an oversight. Um, but uh, I don't, yeah, I thought I, that was pretty see, interesting. That, I don't know how anything that looks that fashionable and and uh, true to the entire character could be an oversight. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, obviously, no one else is angry about his battle mocks. Uh, so, I mean, just even look at him. He's wearing a like one piece cotton onesie under his armor. <laughs> I mean, I thought he had a so- sweet turban on. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I guess I need to research the character more, but I still think he's awesome. Um, I'm glad that. This is a guy that really understands comfort. So <laughs> maybe soon Bubba Fett will start wearing some Crocs and IG-88 will have some flip-flops on and it'll, it'll be, everybody will be comfortable. Well, just a, a correction. It's IG-88. Just, IG? You know, IG-88, just so you no one gets mad at you. Is that really a thing? <laughs> but no. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty but, sure, but I don't know. Um, here's the thing. I'm sure there's some sort of backstory. Like I kind of generally know what the old backstory of Dengar uh, was. I'm sure it's not canon anymore, but I'm sure there's some intricate story about how the fabric used to make Dengar's battle mocks was like a discarded scarf from Anakin Skywalker when he like one time walked on this one planet and it just like intricately connects to Dengar to all the major characters of the series because that's how the Star Wars expanded universe rolls. I'm sure there's a really good reason. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, a lot of that stuff has kind of gone by the wayside since Disney took over, but the little backstories and stuff was always kind of cool. I I liked IG88 or IG88 from um, Shadows (laughs) of the Empire uh, video game for Nintendo 64. Carl, don't lie. You never, you like him from the YouTube videos. You never got to him in the actual I, game. What, what YouTube videos? Oh, you're going to play it that way. No, okay. I literally don't know what you're talking about. Is he I a meme just, now? No, I was just making a joke that that game's so hard. You never actually saw IG-88 in no, that I, game. No, I definitely played. I don't remember, probably didn't beat him, uh, but I definitely got to that point. We can just cut cut that all holding out. Why? That's... <laughs> You don't like what I said, so we cut it out? Can't hear you now because I unplugged my headphones. I'm so done with this conversation. <laughs> okay, are you back? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> so let's talk Kickstarter games. I don't have a jingle for Kickstarter games yet. Uh, Kickstarter is the place for games if you want to wait two to seven years for that's them. That's good one. Let's see if I can turn that into a song. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, I just recently backed one called Oathsworn Into the Deepwood. It is super cool. This is a first-time creator, Shadowborn Games. At the time of this taping, it still has over two weeks left. So by the time you hear it, it'll be long gone. And... <laughs> uh, and uh, it'll... Uh, <laughs> no one... <laughs> It will have come out and been forgotten on Board yeah. Game Geek long ago. Yeah, by the right. time this by the actually time gets you released. hear this, listener, this time capsule of when <laughs> I thought I was going to put this out. Uh, but uh, right now, at the time of this recording, uh, it has $1.5 million uh, already on the Kickstarter. Uh, it is a one to four player co-op game. They're calling it Artisanal Dark Fantasy Board Game. 
And you know, I love me some dark fantasy. How hard up to appear as close to kingdom death as you possibly can <laughs> do you have to be? What did, what did they what did they call that? I can't remember what the free uh, boutique boutique nightmare horror. And yes. this is artisanal dark fantasy. <laughs> Just like a cheese or a fine wine. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I fall for it. So one to four players. So you can play it solo, play it with some friends. I didn't do a deep dive on it, but I looked over everything. Looks like it is basically like a story driven RPG kind of in a box. Looks like there's two major game phases. One is like a story driven game map with different places and, and things happening. And then you have an encounter phase where you're battling monsters. And that's where a lot of the action happens. The monsters are hidden in envelopes. In the base game, you get standees. But then you can also do like a deluxe pledge and you get actual minis that are in boxes. So you got these mystery boxes. It's gonna set you it's gonna set you back an extra eighty bucks for those miniatures. Is that how much? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's pricey. I mean I went I went with the deluxe because I love opening presents. The standee version is a hundred bucks alone. So true. It's true. It's pretty expensive. And there's a lot of stuff that comes with it, but and it's kind of par for the course. But you're right, it's not like an impulse buy. Well, I guess it was an impulse buy for me, but yeah. um yeah. I mean it's not like, oh, I'm not sure I had the money to burn at the time that this came out. So I'm gonna back it. It's their first time, but it looks pretty legitimate. A lot of people are backing it. So there'll be a lot of angry people if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it's looking pretty good. It also has an app that handles a lot of the story narration that is done by James Cosmo, who was Lord Commander Mormont in Game of Thrones. So they got a guy that they've hired. Hopefully he actually does it. I don't know. <laughs> Your first timer, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. He's also on the, they have like a one to two minute trailer that tells you a little bit about the gameplay and the story. And I believe he narrates that and it's animated. So it's pretty sweet. You should take a look at that uh, to get an idea of like what may be in store as far as the narration. So yeah, like RPG in a box concept, kind of like folklore, the affliction from what I gather. And then it adds uh, the mystery boxes, kind of like Pandemic Legacy, where you're opening up different compartments and adding to the game. Or Gloom, Gloomhaven, yeah, really. Yeah, Gloomhaven. Yeah, yeah. They got some envelopes and, and uh, opening up minis. It's a lot of cool things that I like all in one. So it's like they're definitely targeting my kind of people. Another cool thing, the minis are pretty big. They're 46 millimeter as their standard like hero size, uh, like the characters that you'll play. And they go up to 120 millimeter for some of the monsters, which I think some of the mid to larger Kingdom Death miniatures, if you're familiar with those, are in the like 120 150 millimeter range and they're ginormous so just to kind of give you an idea of scale i think warhammer miniatures are 32 millimeter 28 heroic i think unless they've changed it 28 heroic okay, okay. Like, we used to be 28 but now we go a little bit bigger we've creeped yeah. <laughs> we've creeped yeah and i, I want to say dungeons and dragons was like 20 i thought that was 28, 28 is kind of the okay. standard all right 46 millimeters is a pretty good size to start with. Really cool sculpts, too. They got characters like Priest, Ranger, which kind of like your normal D&D type characters, but it seems like there's a little bit of a twist. Like there isn't a witch, but obviously it would be kind of like, like a mage. The really cool character that I like instead of like a paladin or like a warrior, there is the Ursus, which is like a humanoid bear that is all armored up with a giant axe. And he's pretty sweet, so they're definitely kind of making it their own. 
Yeah, I so when you first showed this game to me, I was like, oh, this is super cool. I need to back this. But the more I've been thinking about it and seeing the updates, the less impressed I've become. And I feel like this is kind of a thing now where like I have a the complete opposite feeling of you on like some things. But I'm not saying it's bad. I, I do think it's like I'm gonna lay out some things to this think is about. this is why we work well together. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the, really, there is almost zero of this game that I don't own in another game. Like every part, okay. the, like the cards, all of that stuff. That's like uh, Sword and Sorcery or Gloomhaven, the secret boxes, Gloomhaven. Like they definitely cherry picked, I feel like, a lot of the pieces from some of the most popular games, which I get, but it also leaves me feeling a little empty. And uh, even just like calling it an artisanal dark fantasy board game, there's no way that like the connotation wasn't intended to be like Kingdom Death. So that kind of seems to be the thing with this game. Like it's also very folklore, the affliction, like they just replaced the dice combat with card combat from Gloomhaven. So, uh, right. It feels like best of greatest hits type of thing as far as mechanics and pieces. So I could see that being painted in a light where it's like, there are all this stuff has already been done. We just put it and, all in one game. Well, and I'm sure like for people who don't have, who haven't been paying attention to board games in the last like three or four years, like this will seem yeah. like probably super cool and fresh and like, Oh, all these amazing mechanics. Yeah. But when you have a backlog as deep as I do with, and like with all of these <laughs> mechanics already represented, like they'd have to do something real special for me to like plot down a hundred bucks on it. Um, not to say they don't have yeah. some cool stuff like the you can there's an upgrade where you can have the miniatures with removable arms. So anytime your character upgrades a weapon, you can actually change the weapon in the miniatures arms and exactly represent what the character has. And I think that's very cool and unique, but that's not gameplay. That's like, yeah, it's the frosting. There's like so um, I don't know. I feel like this for me. And the way Kickstarter goes these days, this is a uh, wait for the second edition. And if it's really that good, I'll hear so much about it that I'll have to get it then. It'll probably be from me. <laughs> Maybe not because uh, my backlog is just as big as yours, if not bigger, uh, but it doesn't stop me. Uh, I have a disease. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it seems really cool. And I do think, I want to say they said something about it being Kickstarter exclusive, but you know how that goes. Yeah, that is complete <laughs> It's exclusive nonsense. until it goes really well. And then they find a way. And th- it, them adding standees, you can't help but think they were thinking retail when they designed it. So I could easily see, just like Folklore of the Affliction, that's available uh, yeah. retail now. That is so utterly nonsense these days. Like completely, even if it only is ever sold on Kickstarter, if it's halfway decent and successful, it'll get put on Kickstarter. They're not going to say, no, I don't want more money. <laughs> yeah, the only time I could, like the only recent examples I can think of where like they couldn't and people wanted it was Memento, Dark Memoriam, or Dark Light, Dark Moment. Anyway, they completely outpriced themselves and actually can't produce it again. Uh, but right. like, beside that, By everyone's, accident. yeah, everyone's like remaking it. That doesn't mean anything anymore. If it's good, it'll get a retail release. Sure. Yeah, so if it interests you guys, one of the reasons I'm backing it now is that I want to give them the most benefit of the doubt so that they can have it available in the future. I want it to be successful. It's their first game. And uh, usually I'm very wary of first games, and there's a few uh, exceptions, like when Themeborn, not to be confused 
with Shadowborn. This is Shadowborn Games, but Themeborn that did Escape the Dark Castle. I backed the first time they created their game and they did a great job. They also didn't go wild with add-ons and stuff the first time. They were very like, we're going to make this really cool game and it's just cards with some dice. Uh, It wasn't hard to pull off. So this one's a little more ambitious and I'm expecting to wait longer than the December 2020 timeframe for delivery, but they'll probably do late pledges if this is no longer, I guarantee you it's no longer going by the time you hear this, Uh, but they may have an opportunity to purchase in the future. So look out for that. Or maybe it's terrible and you can look at the reviews and be like, oh, I'm glad we, I dodged that bullet. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Okay. So let's do toy news and we'll insert the sweet, Toy news song right here. Toy news. It's news about toys. (laughs) Uh, So there is like this new category of like super expensive collector toys that are like these dreamed pipe dream toys that are incredibly pricey for the Uber collector, I guess. The most recent one being the Transformers Unicron pre-order that Hasbro put out. They're doing a crowdfunding uh, quote unquote crowdfunding um, type so of why, platform now. Why I laugh is because they try to make it like their own Kickstarter thing, but oh yeah, they keep pushing back the deadline every time they don't make it. <laughs> yeah. By this point, people are like, "Oh, we need six hundred more people to pledge before in, in two days," and then it doesn't happen. And then Hasbro was like, "Oh, we'll we'll keep ex- we'll extend it." Like. <laughs> I don't know. At the towards the end, it was only a few days left, and then all of a sudden, they magically hit the eight thousand uh, yeah. piece They're mark. It, I'm pretty sure they just bought them themselves. I mean, I it's guarantee it because it was like, from what I remember reading, it was a suspicious amount of people to pledge in like the last several hours. Oh, like, so you actually read something about it? People grumbling about it. I don't know if it's based in facts at all. Sure, sure. You know how people are. Internet's always accurate. If you've yeah. seen Transformers the movie from the eighties the really great animated movie. Unicron is this giant planet transformer. They've had some toys here and there, but this thing, he is 27 inches tall, 50 points of articulation. In planet mode, he is 30 inches in diameter, weighs 19 pounds, and they want $575 for this guy. That's a lot of cheddar. It's probably a good $250 more than I'd be willing to spend on a Transformer uh, of that size. But they magically got 8,000 backers uh, after moving the deadline at least twice. It's super awesome, but I just don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's great that they're doing this, but then like they're kind of gatekeeping the average collector. Like, I would love a really cool Unicron that's maybe not 27 inches tall, that maybe doesn't have 50 points of articulation in the $100 range, and he's really big. Like, that'd yeah, be really cool. But, but like, there are other Unicrons. Like, I don't think... That are currently in production. I, I'm pretty sure there are other Unicron toys that you can get. Are they currently in production? Maybe not, but... Sure. I don't... I really don't see the fact, for me personally... The fact that I can't afford something doesn't mean it shouldn't exist and isn't valid, right? Like, obviously, there were like at least seven thousand people who wanted this, like theoretically. Um, so, gatekeeping feels like a strong word. I feel like they're just 
advertising to a segment of the market that is maybe it's just above the segment of the market that you're at or I'm at even. Right. So, well, I don't know. I, I hope there's enough people up at that crispy top. Cause I just feel like they didn't really, they could go super premium without making something so ridiculously overbuilt that they don't have a model available for even just regular dedicated collectors. I'm not saying this shouldn't exist. I'm saying that several different versions of all the other popular ones exist. I know that they did make a Unicron a while back. I don't know how close it was to the Transformers movie, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, It's just interesting that these things are popping up. Another example is the Snake Mountain that they came out with. Um, They started production. Super yep. 7. Super 7 did a pre-order and it wasn't a crowdfunding necessarily, but they needed X amount to make to put it into production and they would just refund everybody if Exactly the it. same thing Hasbro did by the way. It's <laughs> they just called the same. This was before Unicron, so we're talking a few months back. That was also a super huge overly built it's 3 foot by 4 foot playset for $700. Super cool, but also I would buy a $300 one, you know, but I can't afford a $700 one. But I guess they're just pricing me out and hopefully there's enough people at the top. But I'm just having to look at originals because I can afford an original, you know, maybe even yeah. in a box before you even hit this. I, I mean, I totally get like it sucks when there's something cool that is out of reach for whatever reason. But also, like that doesn't take away from the fact that like there are people that it's in reach for and that. I, I just don't see the negative of it existing. I understand wanting like a cheaper alternative, but um, I don't see it as an insult to me that it's more expensive than I want to afford. And let, let's be clear, Carl, like let's be real honest right now. Snake mountains. Okay. Like cool. Unicron's cool. But if it was a toy that like you and I like really wanted to have, like, that was just our favorite thing in the world. And it was a deluxe $800 version. That was the most pristine, perfect version. We would be over the moon about it, right? Like we would find a way to afford it if it was something we really cared about. That's true. They did do payment plans for the snake mountain. So I respected that. I don't know. I think they're missing, uh, the particular section by creating a new section of like product category. I think that's where I, I don't feel slighted as much as I feel like their opportunity to sell instead of 10,000, they could have sold 20,000 of the snake mountains. If they were actually just reproductions of the original, instead of going way bigger, way more detailed with way more paint apps. And like, I think it's super cool, but I felt like they're like, they made what they wanted price be damned and i guess it worked i guess we'll see because people did pre-order it i feel like it was another one of those well we're just gonna make it anyway i guess i'm wondering what the real validity of this super premium uh product category that i'm starting to see because i think it seemed to start with that star wars job of the hut uh the skiff yes that thing was super cool it's not something that i want but it's super huge super expensive i think they did a kickstarter for that i don't 
remember exactly. Yeah. I'm completely I missed the boat on that. But people that didn't get it, it's been around long enough. There was a lot of people regretting not getting it because the price got hiked up super high. And I think writing the FOMO that people have to make things like that has kind of started this. But I'll be interested to see you know, how these things turn out. I wonder if there'll be a lot on eBay for really low at some point. And then I can grab a Unicron for 300 bucks like I'd like to. But maybe, uh, but you're right. I guess maybe I'm not a, attached enough to the items that are currently being offered in that super premium category for me to see it that way. I, I think I, I personally feel like it can only be a good thing because if there is a successful $700 snake mountain, but you can't afford the $700, that just means there's now there's space in the market for someone to come in and make that $300 snake mountain. Like now, like it's been proven that there's space yeah. in the market for it. So like personally, I'm like, I don't think I would spend that much money on any of this stuff, but maybe someday something will pop up. That's just like the coolest thing ever and yeah. I'll have to buy it and it'll be worth every penny. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's a valid thing. I'm sad. I don't hit that, that category uh, with these items cause they're super cool, but uh, maybe one day there will be, and it'd be interesting to see how they do in the market. Well, and the other thing is the the existence of these things don't mean you missed out on something, right? Sure. Like since they decided to make these, that doesn't mean they didn't decide to make what you wanted. So That's true. You know. I think I know. Uh, the Snake Mountain makes it a little tougher because they re-released Castle Grayskull as basically the same thing but remade for a lot less money and then they mm-hmm. blew it out of the water with the Snake Mountain. It's like, "Come on, guys." Now, it may have been Mattel. I don't remember if Super 7 had the license when that happened. So that actually might be the difference. Well, Super 7 is a group of son of a bitches. So <laughs> they, they make stuff that I like, but they sell it in a way that makes it really difficult. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they're smart. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're real smart. I, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, Super, they're a great company and they make things that people want and that, and that I want. But you know what? At the end of the day, like... Fuck those guys! Because <laughs> the way they like, they just got it. They got their marketing and their releases so figured out that like, uh, I end up spending a lot more money than I want to, and it's all <laughs> by design. Nice. Well, just to wrap up this episode, one kind of last little segment I want to do is we're still working it all out, but this concept of nostalgia is a bitch. What kind of prompted this idea was being into board games. Noah being into board games. I recall a couple of years ago when Toys R Us was still around, they were reprinting some games, one of which was Crossfire. And I loved the commercial. I always wanted that game and I never, I never got it. And I saw it and I was like, dude, Crossfire is, is reprinted. I should buy it. And he's like, dude, that game sucks. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, but dude, the, the commercial is so awesome. Yeah. You get caught up in the crossfire. Yeah. And um, it was, but per- yeah, he uh, shot, shot my fucking dreams down. And uh, here we are. It was perfectly marketed to our little kid brains. And yeah. uh, for whatever kids with leather gloves, uh, <laughs> fingerless gloves and leather jackets yeah. surrounding uh, like a death pit Thunderdome. Yeah. And you're I like many people have that same story. I couldn't get it as a kid. In fact, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who actually had it. 
Like that's like I I don't think so either. I think one kid had it and lost all the BBs. <laughs> Literally had no BBs, so he couldn't play it. But he had the board just laying in the yeah. And so and like yeah, I've like I've looked at videos of it being played. I've heard from people who've played it as an adult, and uh, yeah, it's just like it's like Hungry Hungry Hippos. It's not that cool of a game. <laughs> it was just marketed really really well. What I should have done is like not said anything and let you bought it and discover for yourself <laughs> no dude well maybe you should have but i i at least get to live with the fact that i still don't own it i still think it might be really great and then i just live with the romanticism of how awesome i think it is and that that'll be fine i think that'll be just the right amount of experience that i need oh but what about that warm toasty feeling you get when you buy something you wanted so bad as a kid and it like fills that little whole piece of like gaping wound in your soul (laughs) you'll never have that experience now so you just mentioned the feeling of my whole collecting (laughs) toy collecting uh experience is all just trying to fill a hole that's unfillable (laughs) with uh plastic junk that i love and put on the shelf and never touch again yeah it's crazy because even even if you go back and buy all the original toys and like that feels pretty good, but it doesn't stop. It's just like, oh, now there's a more modern version of this toy. And then let's just like a never ending cycle. It's pretty vicious. Yeah, actually. I think it's just a matter of when I find the right stuff and I give enough thought to it, I really enjoy it. And it does fill the hole for a little while. It's just a matter of like maintaining it and not going overboard and just being thoughtful about it. And then you get you get what you want and it works out. So, all right, yeah, so that concludes this episode. Uh, please subscribe to this uh, currently not subscribable <laughs> show. Uh, and very soon we'll get uh, these four episodes up on iTunes, Google Play, things like that. Um, I'm working on the website. Feel free to email us. Uh, I believe it's, <laughs> I think it's mail at playwithit.com. You know what? I'm not even sure if that's the right email. I'll get that. I'll be prepared next time. Maybe not even next time. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And if you want to play us out, Noah. Uh, yeah. Well, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on this podcast. Uh, I will not be back again. Um, I'm all out of hot takes. and uh, But it's been fun. Um, so yeah, play with it.